It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Welcome to the Julia Hartley Brewer Coronavirus Update. If you're in lockdown, just like me, don't worry. I've put together some of the best bits from my talk radio breakfast show into this daily podcast, so you won't miss any of the day's biggest coronavirus updates. Enjoy and stay safe. Online, on DAB and on the talk radio app. Talk Radio. We speak to our next guest. Uh, he's the Culture Secretary, Oliver Dowd, and in to talk about, well, not just what's been going on with uh, uh, the uh, fight against coronavirus, but also the 75th anniversary of VE Day today. Good morning to you, Oliver Dowd. Good morning. Thank you very much for joining us. Now, of course, I mean, sure. today was supposed to be a wonderful day of celebration. Uh, we've gone through all these commemorations of some of the darkest days in our history over the last few years, the anniversaries of the Second World War major events. But uh, today was supposed to be the day we got the bunting out and had all the celebration. We're all stuck in our homes under lockdown. But we are going to be hearing a message from the Prime Minister, a message from the Queen later tonight. And indeed, we're going to have a two-minute silence at 11 o'clock. How are you going to be marking the day? Well, uh, as you say, it's not quite what we planned uh, at Secretary of State. I have uh, responsibility for this sort of um, planning. We plan to have uh, street parties and parades. It will be um, a bit more make-do and mend, but it should be a great day still. You, you've talked about some of the highlights, uh, Prince Charles leading the nation in silence at 11 and the Queen's address in the evening. But I also think this is a real opportunity for all of us to reflect and research on our own family experiences for those of us uh, who still have uh, relatives that are still alive, it's an opportunity uh, to talk to them about uh, their experiences of VE Day or to do some research. And actually, I, I mean, I spoke to my my mum about uh, her dad, who sadly lost his uh, first wife and three children during the Clyde Bank Blitz. Uh, also to my dad about his, uh, and indeed I remember speaking to my uh, my gran about her experience sewing uh, barrage balloons during the uh, the Second World War. So I hope people, when they, they look back on today, will think I, I had a chance to talk to that, that person and don't look back in years to come and regret not taking the opportunity. 
Yeah, it's always another opportunity for us to educate ourselves and indeed our children as well. Um, Keir Starmer today is on the front page of The Telegraph saying we owe it to our V-Day generation to protect them from virus in care homes. Lots of talk about the easing of the lockdown. We'll get to some of that. But um, uh, lots of concern that the R number, the rate of uh, of infectiousness, is, uh, is higher in care homes than in the wider community. What is being done by the government to tackle that issue? Well, I think you're absolutely right to highlight the challenge that there is in care homes. That's why we've set out this comprehensive social care plan. So key elements of that will be testing. We've now got the CQC to refer 34,000 care home workers for testing and 41,000 residents have been tested. We're ramping up the workforce. So we're recruiting 20,000 more people into care homes. We're getting more funding in, uh, £2.9 billion to local authorities and a lot of that will go to social care. And we're also getting the PPE and the the protection equipment, 52 million pieces. So whilst the, the death rate is still too high in care homes, it is starting to have an effect and the latest numbers do show that the the number of deaths is falling. But this is a real priority, I know, for the Prime Minister and the whole government. Well, I mean, it is certainly a priority and there's lots of talk we need to have a testing of every single resident in a care home and make sure that more PPE gets to them. Are we any closer to that, given that the, the testing with capacity is capacity, but the number of people getting tested is still uh, not much more than half the uh, the 100,000 target that uh, the, we, we the health secretary, Matt Hancock, wanted to hit last Thursday? Well, we are, we're ramping it, it up and actually uh, I think the figures yesterday showed that uh, 86, over 86,000 uh, tests have been uh, undertaken. So if you think about where we were uh, a month or so ago, that, that is a real increase and we're continuing to, to drive that because it's an important part of our strategy. Okay, and let me also ask you about football. Lots of people listening very concerned about when are we going to get the football back? The German Bundesliga is coming back as early as next week. Does that uh, perhaps set the uh, stage for the possibility of the Premier League returning? Well, I I want the the Premier League and... uh... The, the rest of uh, the EFL the to the extent that is possible, indeed other sports, to, to return uh, initially, of course, behind closed doors. But the number one priority is to get that public health right. That's why uh, I hosted uh, a meeting with the Deputy Chief Medical Officer and relevant sports. They had then a follow-up meeting. So they've had two meetings, another meeting uh, next week. I'll also be meeting on Thursday with the, the Premier League, the FA and the EFL, uh, I'd really like this to be able to happen. I think it's a real opportunity to, to lift spirits, uh, to get some cash into the, the game again, so to support the, the whole game. Uh, but it, we can only do that when it's safe to do so. But we are, we're making really good progress. I'm very hopeful we'll be able to do this. Across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart speaker, Talk Radio. Also, Andy Burnham, the Greater Manchester Mayor, has warned that as the North West is two weeks behind London, they also do not want to see lockdown eased too early. Well, I'm delighted to welcome Andy Burnham, uh, the Greater Manchester Mayor, former Labour House Secretary, of course, to the show right now to discuss this. Good morning to you. Good morning, Julia. Good morning. Um, well, uh, we will get to V-Day because I'm sure you did have some great plans uh, in Manchester before yeah. we all got into lockdown. Look, lockdown's going to continue. There's been some criticism of the government over some mixed messaging, lots of the headlines yesterday, saying, look, there was going to be relaxation. But, you know, we covered it on the show. It was always going to be very small, just being allowed out more than an hour, being able to have a picnic in the park, stuff that would just, you know, keep people a little bit more cheery as they coped with lockdown. There was never really any expectation we wouldn't be in lockdown until the beginning of June. Was there? Well, I think a different message was going into the system, Julia. Um, public transport was being told, get ready to, to gear up from Monday, uh, 11th of May. 
uh, and certainly from the 18th of May. And of course, there was briefing yesterday that the stay at home message would be dropped. Now, let's just deal with that one specifically. I think that is a mistake if that is what the government is about to do. Stay at home is clear. The public understand it. Largely, they're abiding by it. And that's brilliant, isn't it? And here in the northwest, you know, we are not yet on a clear downward path. And removal of that stay at home message, I think, would be premature, Julia. Now, I'm not saying that to cause a problem. I'm just saying that that I think is uh, in the best interest of the health and safety of the people of the northwest. We need to sort of hold the course for now, because, as you said, we are, I'm afraid, a little bit behind other parts of the country. Yeah, I mean, we've seen, haven't we, every time we have that five o'clock press conference at number 10, we see those graphs that are shown by the medical and scientific advisors. And London for many, many weeks was way, way above the rest of the country. Northwest creeping up and up, uh, overtaking uh, the, uh, the, the London as well. And now... Thankfully, on a downward slope, but but still very high indeed. And obviously, look, we know there is a, a, a cost in terms of lives and infections if we don't stay at home. But we also know there's a massive economic cost as well. And that will, in the long term, many are predicting, cost more lives in the future. There is a very difficult trade-off to be made between, you know, the cost of the furloughing, the businesses that will be going under, the mental health strain people are under uh, staying at home, uh, and, and saving every single possible life. And uh, it's going to be a very difficult tightrope for any uh, politician to walk but you're saying we should go with safety first i am julia safety first has got to be the way out of out of this uh, but i agree with you it's a very difficult balance for the prime minister to strike on on sunday night i do accept that but i just feel we've not got yet to the point where we can start talking about uh loosening and, and people starting to uh come out of their homes and, and live more, more normal lives. You mentioned London. Well, of course, London uh, was the, the centre of the virus spread at first, and then, then it spread to the Midlands, and then they were in second place. And, of course, then it spread up the country to, to the northwest. So, by definition, we're going to be behind everybody. And we've got to keep a sense of national unity here, haven't we? We can't be relaxing stay at home because it, it might suit one part of the country, even though others are still... Uh, are still in the midst of the of the, the challenge. So, yeah, I understand that the the, uh, the, the, the difficulty, uh, and I'm not arguing for a long delay, Julia. I just think a fortnight or, or so, I think, would just yeah. take us a bit more out of the woods and give us that bit more confidence that we're moving in the right direction. And, and that's, of course, a crucial thing. We're told that the, the R number we hear so much about, if it's above one, you can move into exponential growth and infections very, very quickly. Below one, you've got it under control. But we know it's somewhere between 0.5 and 0.9. Probably, as you say, in the northwest, closer to 0.9 figure. Uh, London, closer to 0.5 figure. But again, very easily that could tip over and wanting to move to that. We're, of course, going to learn a lot of lessons, aren't we? We hope from what's been going on in other parts of Europe, Germany, easing, uh, you know, people going back to... To school uh, and, and Italy coming out of lockdown, Spain, France as well. We're hopefully going to see what works for them, what what is a problem, what does see a spike and what doesn't, and perhaps be able to use that information to ensure we have a smoother easing of our lockdown process. That's exactly what we should do, isn't it? And, and bear in mind, we are at the top of that European league table now, aren't we, in terms of cases and, and sadly deaths. So we, we do need to err on the side of caution, learning from what's happening over there. And, and there was messy, mixed messaging yesterday, uh, Julia. You know, there was briefing on the newspapers that it would be happy Monday and everything would be coming back to, to some sort of normal. 
And then, no, there wasn't. No, but that's that's unfair. I mean, I was discussing this on the show repeatedly yesterday. We're looking at the front pages. Even on the front page of the headlines, the tabloids, they were only hint, you know, it's talking about very small, tiny changes. But those changes were going to make a difference to people. But the thing is, though, Julia, I appreciate what you say. And yes, they may have been modest, but it's messaging, isn't it? If you have banner headlines on tabloid uh, newspapers ahead of a bank holiday weekend, you know, it's it's what the public take from that, then perhaps they don't necessarily see the detail. They think, oh, well, the pressure's off, you know. I just think... Do you, wait a minute, do I you think the public is stupid? Do you, I mean, this is the thing. Do you think the no, public can only read no. words written in 75 point and not the words directly underneath it? I mean, that, that, no, the public a, aren't stupid. There's a clarity about stay at home, isn't there, that we can all understand. The public are certainly not stupid at all. They've been brilliant through this. But if you move that to stay safe, then I think there is a lot of grey area all of a sudden about what you can do or what you can't do. And the discipline of the situation that we're in is suddenly lost. And, you know, the chief statistician told the Downing Street briefing yesterday that the virus is still spreading in care homes. So, for goodness sake, you know, we've we've got to sort of have our focus on on that and on those poor people who are still in the midst of this in in care homes, the, uh, the, the people being cared for and their staff. And I don't think we should be putting out messaging like that that might put them further at risk. Okay. So well, let's talk about talk about the care homes in, in Manchester. We, we know lots of care homes are saying, although a lot that they're private enterprises, a lot of them are non for, not for profit. And we know it's very difficult, you know, with 20,000 care homes rather than a few hundred hospitals. But uh, the government says they've given money to local councils to help care homes deal with staffing issues, buying PPE and all of that. Um, do we know that that money is actually reaching the care homes to look after those elderly residents? Is that what's happening in Manchester? Are you making sure of that? We do uh, know that that's happening because we have a very strong integrated system here between the NHS and, uh, and social care. And we had a report uh, just this week to our committee that showed that they've got at least seven day stocks of PPE. And I'm very proud of that, Julia, because we've been uh, buying some of that PPE ourselves to boost the government stocks. So we are supporting them in whatever way uh, we can. Uh, but of course, it's a challenging situation. All political parties, Julia, have failed social care over the decades and i include my own in that none of them have put forward a a proper funding reform that allows social care to have the the training the equipment uh, the facilities that it that it needs and i think they all need to be held uh, to account for that because social care was in no position to face what is currently being uh, thrown at it and i blame the labor party for that and the conservative party uh, for that because they play politics with social care for at least 20 years and they failed to get that money into that system and uh, and there needs to be some sort of reckoning for that now because you know we can't allow that to happen again the sad truth is we could have another pandemic you know there's no just because we're having one now it doesn't mean we won't have one in the next five or ten years and social care can't be left in this position again Okay, bearing in mind, of course, you yourself are former Labour Health Secretary. You're casting blame on everyone. Let's just finally talk about the well, VE no, Day no, 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 sorry, let me just say on that. I proposed a major reform uh, called the National Care Service as Health Secretary, and my own party didn't back it. So I'm not sort of, you know, uh, speaking with hindsight and sort of, you know, I, I, yeah. I, I tried to reform social care, and it was the sort of cowardice of the political system uh, in Westminster that, that, that wouldn't go with it, and they should have done.
Okay, well, let's talk about VE Day. Obviously, big celebrations have been planned to mark the 75th anniversary of victory in Europe. And all of those are obviously going to go by the wayside. We can't have the street parties. We're not really allowed out on the street. Uh, so what, is, uh, what, what are you planning in Greater Manchester for people to mark this historic day? Oh, I think there's lots of socially distanced street parties, Julie. I'm not sure. There, there may be drinking. <laughs> yeah, there'll be plenty of that, I guess. But I'm not sure they're at the same thing. But, you know, I don't know if you feel this, but I do feel quite emotional about today. Yeah. When you hear Churchill proclaim it our greatest day, I, mean, I think we need to kind of take something from that today, don't we? I mean, think about what they've been through, but also what they were about to do you know they were about to rebuild the country and they did and they built the national health service that we're all idolizing today and you know look, look at what they left us uh, in terms of uh, setting the country up for the future so take a little bit of pride and a bit of inspiration i think julia from all of that today and let's see if we can move forward with a strong sense of national unity from this online on dab and on the talk radio app Talk Radio. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Online, on DAB, and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Let's talk to acting leader of the Liberal Democrats, Sir Ed Davey, about the lockdown rules. Good morning to you, Sir Ed. Good morning, Julia. 
Uh, lovely to speak to you. Uh, lots of concern about this. We suppose well, well, Andy Burnham has just been calling uh, Missy mixed messaging about the lockdown and when or not the lockdown is going to be eased. Disputes between different parts of the country and indeed from the, the constituent parts of the United Kingdom. Nicola Sturgeon, the First Minister of Scotland, said it would be a potentially catastrophic mistake to ease the lockdown too soon. Uh, where do you, the Liberal Democrats, stand on when the lockdown rules should be relaxed? What uh, suggestions have you got to make? Well, surprisingly, you want to follow the scientific evidence. And what worried me uh, was the was the mixed messages coming from government because it wasn't based on the scientific evidence. We saw those headlines, didn't we, that it was going to be, you know, everything was going to change on Monday. And then the government had to row back. The scientific evidence, as far as we can see, from the minutes published from the SAGE committee, that's the, the group of scientists who are revising, they are saying that um, outside um, activity... Um, is very, very unlikely to lead to spread of the disease. As long as people continue to social distance, the implication is people can go out more. So you could see things like more people going to parks, uh, people taking more than one hour exercise, that sort of thing, plus even garden centres opening. That seems to follow what the advice was saying. But beyond that, I don't think the advice is suggesting that we can release much more but the um, government hold real... on a minute the government wasn't suggesting that at all the, the the briefings to the newspapers that prompted those sort of happy headlines yesterday my god we need some happiness was were saying that allowing us to exercise more than once a day allowing households to have picnics in the parks that is following the science isn't it yeah but i think uh, you would have had to be on a different planet julia to not take a different message from the headlines and so on and that's why i think the government itself uh, change the message during the day. So, if you don't believe me, look at what the government's actions were. They were uh, well after really criticism. Disappearing. But isn't but isn't a lot of this criticism? And I raised this with uh, Andy Burnham and, and lots of my guests this morning. This is all based on the fact there were some headlines saying, "Hey, you know, you know, uh, you know, easing of the lockdown on Monday, something to look forward to." Everyone getting a bit happy about you know the beginning of the end, etc. Um, this, this apparently politicians don't seem to think, and indeed lots of the media asking questions at number ten yesterday don't seem to think that the us, the general public, are capable of reading more than two words on the front page of a tabloid newspaper. All of the front page newspapers that had those headlines, I was doing it, talking about it on my show throughout the show yesterday, all of them explained just how tiny and tentative those changes were going to be. Not one of them made any extra claims about what was happening. And all of those uh, changes were based on the science about being outside, being safer. I, I think this is just based on the fact that many of you politicians, you just think the public are too dumb to understand a more nuanced message. And I don't think we are i don't think we are either i don't know where you got that from i think you're the one who's now you, <laughs> you just said you just said that the message from the headline was 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 you know people would read into that that they could just go and do what they want that's basically what you just said you think people are too yeah. stupid no i didn't i said that the headlines are just as you agreed i mean i think we're in agreement i think you're trying to find a dispute where there isn't one and um, the newspaper headlines were that's what i said were misleading. And that's why number 10 had to come come back during the day. And you know, we've got, I don't know why they were responsible for doing that. Was it the newspaper's fault? Was it the briefing's fault? Who knows? But it, I think it's pretty clear the headlines and the messages we were getting the day weren't the message that we got later from Downing Street. So, And the criticism you're making is criticism of Downing Street, it seems to me.
I mean, I'm, I'm very happy to criticise Downing Street when I think they've done things wrong. I thought we all needed I'm a little bit of hope, and, and I'm pretty sure that we were we were able to read that slightly nuanced message that things are going to slightly change. Um, in terms of, uh, of of how the government is handling this, look, lots of criticism of uh, of the lack of PPE and big concerns about this Turkish consignment, difficulty of getting PPE that fits our standards. Still, major issues over testing, particularly testing in care homes. And as you mentioned, this concern that that the the R rate is is much higher and the spread of the disease is much higher in care homes. Um, do you think we need to get to a point where we just have testing of every single person, either resident or working in a care home, before we get a full idea of the risks to our most vulnerable and elderly people, particularly on a day when we're, we're honouring our V-Day veterans uh, and many of them sitting in care homes, as Sir Keir Starmer has pointed out today? I completely agree with you, Julie, and I agree with Keir Starmer. I mean, Liberal Democrats have been warning about the care home issue um, since right at the beginning. Uh, our health person, social care spokesperson, Manira Wilson, was asking questions about why weren't we testing care workers and why weren't testing in care homes um, back in March. And I think the testing issue is one of the most disturbing of this crisis. Um, and if you remember, um, there used to be, was at right beginning some community testing that was stopped on the 12th of March and testing only happened in hospitals. And there's time we were told that was to do with the evidence. It has since emerged, as far as I can see, that it's more to do with their lack of capacity. And so one got to question both why testing capacity was so low, but then why it took, frankly, till the beginning of April for the government to really start ramping up the testing capacity. And even then, I'd question how they went about ramping up the testing capacity. They seem to have gone for a very centralised model and not engage with the many, many laboratories in, in, in the private sector, in universities and so on, who were sort of putting their hand up and saying, we'd like to help too. So the, the testing side of it, I think, has, has been really, really poor. Yeah, I, I think a lot of us would agree with you on that. Can I just ask you just finally, um, uh, you, you two weeks ago announced that you were uh, marking Ramadan uh, alongside uh, the many millions of uh, Muslims in this country by going on a fast. Are you still marking it? No. Um, what I uh, often do is, if there's a religious festival, I have put out a video or, or make some statements. So um, I'm a Christian, so I made a, um, a video at Christmas, a video at Easter. I did a video for the Jewish community on Passover. And a Muslim friend, who's a Muslim Liberal Democrat councillor, came with this idea that um, would I do something for Ramadan? And this is what she suggested. And Why, do, why does one need to partake in a religious ritual? Um, in order to you know, have empathy for uh, or understanding of a particular religious belief? Well, one doesn't have to. But if one's invited to, I don't know about you, I just have courtesy. You think it would be discourteous to say, no, thank you, I'm not going to fast because I don't need to? No, um, when, a, when a friend wants you to, you know, like, as I had done for, for Christian friends and Christian community and the Jewish community... And I've gone to Hindu temples, gone to Gurdwaras for Sikhs in my constituency. No, but visiting a temple is different, isn't it? That's part of your job as an MP. Yeah, and uh, I was, as the acting leader of the Liberal Democrats, was asked by another Liberal Democrat, would I um, show solidarity? Because so many people fasting at home and couldn't go to a mosque and couldn't see their extended families. Would I take just one day out of my time to show some solidarity? Mm. I, I, I think a lot of people are quite I intrigued about why you... you... You don't want people 
to reach out to other people in our community. I, 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 I don't, I don't know why you have to not eat to, to reach out to people in our community. I don't really understand the need to do this. A lot of people thought it was virtual signalling and, and a ploy to get votes from a particular section of the community. What did you make of those criticisms? Well, I think they're completely wrong. Um, you know, I have Muslim friends. I have a mosque in, in the borough that I represent. Uh, I have this friend, Hina Bakari, who's a councillor in Merton, who asked me to do it. Um, I, I, I think there's a concern I have that some people making the criticism um, may be criticising it for other reasons. And well, What would those other reasons are, be? Well, because I think one should engage with all people in our society you want to send signals and you don't, you don't have to share their religious beliefs but I, as it happens I'm a Christian I'm a practicing Christian um, and um, faith means a lot to me what I believe in a society um, you should uh, the interfaith relationships where different people of different faiths um, meet together and talk about their faith but, so but, but we're often but we're often told there's one particular religion Ed we're often told yeah, so, so, I mean, I don't know whether the criticism extends to the Archbishop of Canterbury. I, I, I think I think a lot of people were criticising him as well. Again, for what people consider well, to be virtual signalling. Like no, but can I, I can I ask you one final question? Ed, I don't I don't know why you're against the Archbishop of Canterbury on this one. But again, offering criticism of someone doesn't mean you're against them. This is what we do in a free democracy. We're allowed to criticise yeah, religious yeah, leaders. Yeah, it's a very I, crucial part of our democracy. Ed, what what are the, no? One of the things one of the issues people have is often people have was why you'd feel the need to to say look to to, to show sort of uh, solidarity with a particular community, particular religious. Uh, 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 section of society that you would you would take part in some of their so, uh, rituals. Um, what, why do we never ask that many different religious groups t- take part in perhaps um, Christian uh, 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 festivals or, or indeed you know atheism or, or other aspects of of modern Western British culture? Um, say for instance, women who for instance might wear headscarves. Well, uh, do you know what? Um, as as a way of showing solidarity with the wider community, we won't wear headscarves for a day. Why is it always in one direction? Now I know you're going to think that these are questions i shouldn't even be asking but a lot of people are asking those questions i love you asking those questions because then i can give you the answer which i believe in and um i in my constituency i see people of all faiths coming together to recognize other people's faith i mean um maybe uh a local mp working the constituency gets a different perspective from a, a journalist i don't know Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker, Talk Radio. Thanks for listening to today's Julia Hartley Brewer coronavirus update. Please don't forget to like, comment, and most importantly, subscribe. And you can catch me live on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 till 10. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. 
Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.